Five years on, Richard, from the very first time we actually started doing this podcast. Here we are, the end of the 2019-20 season, mm. which felt like it actually lasted about five years. It's all finished. You know what that you know what that means, don't you? It means we can talk about Marcus Rocco for a fifth <laughs> fourth or fifth summer in a row. How? For some reason, I don't know. I don't know why, thing? but we <laughs> I don't know. Oh dear. Everyone, welcome to the last Red Voices of this 2019-2020 season, which indeed feels like it has gone on for some time, but it did end last weekend with that rather dispiriting defeat to Sevilla. But don't worry, lo and behold, it's you and Rich on hand to do the traditional, the seminal player reviews episode in which we basically try and screw each other up as much as possible by deciding which players we want to review for the season and this year with an added twist mm. we've done our best to come up with a song that best encapsulates their performance over the last 12 plus months or so but before we get deep into that rich how are we i'm not bad not bad at all actually it's quite nice to have a little break from the football to be honest yeah it did feel like the season went on forever which it kind of did mm. but um yeah it was nice for it to end and then we just get a little bit of a break before well we don't because everyone's just moaning about transfers but um we get a little bit of a break from the football and and then we maybe come back afresh yeah in all of like three and a half weeks i did i did find myself kind of mentally shutting down when i was on twitter last night seeing the discourse of the Sevilla into milan final which sounds like it was actually quite a fun evening it was a really really good game actually i must say i mean i didn't really care who won but um it was nice not to have to kind of deal with that that narrative of look at all these players who've left Man United and suddenly winning trophies. <laughs> Bollocks. I, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy they've gone away and they're, they're playing well somewhere else. I mean, I, you know, I've, been, I've watched into quite a lot this season and Ashley Young has been an almost ever present. He's got hair. He has, but also largely a very, a very decent performer for them. So all I can think is that, that, that these players are either getting pumped full of something, which is um, improving their performance or um, Syria isn't quite what it's cracked up to be or maybe a combination of the two it was nice for Sevilla to win because at least then we can kind of say well look we lost to the best team in the tournament as well <laughs> I mean and, and they are really good I mean, the, the, well yeah. they're not terrible but you know I mean we, we, yeah. we spoke about this for what like 40 minutes last week so let's not get back into that but yeah I mean there's only there's about a good month or so until the United start up again against Crystal Palace at Old Trafford in the first you know fixture of the season and you know I, I think it's fair to say that there's some discontent on the old Twitterverse about transfers slash lack mm. thereof. So this is probably a good time to cast our minds back to what we've been seeing for the last, what, blimey, since August of last year? Blimey, it's 12 months, yeah. That's about five years. Yes. You know, the things we've been seeing over the last five yeah, years. Indeed, yeah. right. Rich, you're going to kick us off. So we're going to start off with goalkeepers. Who are you giving me? Okay, well, you can ha- Well, you, you start with Romero. Okay, I mean, that, that's a nice start off. Thanks for not going, you know. Yeah, so I'm, I'm giving you a gentle intro, a gentle start. Yeah, so. no real bullshit on there. Sergio Romero. I mean, yeah. I know that there's this long running theory about Sergio Romero in the sense that we're incredibly lucky to have such a high quality backup keeper for when De Gea doesn't play for the cup competitions. But there's also a part of me that thinks, why wouldn't he try his luck elsewhere if he was really always cracked up to be? And I do get the sense that he's very very happy where he is right now he seems quite happy in Manchester he seems pleased to be at the club you know he's just kind of part of the furniture at this stage you know he's signed in 2015 by Van Gaal at the start of his second season he's a perfectly pleasant chap you know I mean it's it's difficult with Sergio Romero because we see him so regularly and more often than not he tends to perform and tends to make a couple of good saves I don't think there's been too many standout you know moments or performances over the course of this year he's typically come in and done very well in some ways he's almost been better defined by his absences so say the uh, 
the FA Cup mm. semi-final game against Chelsea, which, I mean, United were pretty rubbish for front to back that day. So I'm not necessarily sure how much different the result would have been had he not started ahead of De Gea. But there's a chance mm. that it would have been a little bit less flattering to Chelsea, at least. And then didn't play against Sevilla. I mean, less so in that game because you know United lost that game not because of terrible goalkeeping, but because of terrible defending, which we'll get onto in a bit. But yeah, I mean, you know, as as a song, indeed, I, I think this this felt very easy to sum up because you know, as mentioned, he spends so much time on the bench. I had a quick check of stats, and I think he ends up on the bench more than any of the United player apart from or in the squad apart from Harry Maguire. Fifty-seven times he's named in the squad, so a fantastic song for that. James, sit down. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That I, I, I now I need we need to need to qualify um, my song on the basis that I have googled a number of these songs and googled keywords and the like. So whilst I know most of them, I don't know all of them. Okay. okay? But mine was mine's fairly, mine's fairly simple. It's it's a song called "Steady" by by a guy whose name looks Albanian. That I'll try and pronounce called Bebe Reisha, okay, or something similar. I mean, this is just going to um, be uh, yeah, an advert for how terrible our taste in music is, really, isn't it? Let's be quite frank about this. Well, yeah, I, I'd say that that's a, that's not a reflection on my taste in music because I've never heard the song. Okay, but but we were we were kind of stretched on on one or two that's of these. That's incredibly so uncultured to... of you, just so we're clear. <clears throat> it it is it yeah. is very much uncultured of me, but yeah. um, yeah, it's, isn't it weird that uh, thinking about it, you know, Romero's Argentina's international goalkeeper, and he's been that been so for. A long time, so he's playing big international games, big international tournaments, and yet he has just been happy to sit on United's bench. And I can only imagine that, that maybe he's extremely well paid. Um, that seems possible. And maybe he and his lovely wife and family are ha- are really happy in Manchester, which is nice. He's the anti Di Maria, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um. So, uh, I mean, yeah. We can't really talk about Dean Henderson because we haven't seen any of him in United shirt. Mm. I don't. Th- I think Lee Grant made one appearance despite being in the squad 16 times. So we can't really do anything there. So I guess we've got to get onto one of the big stories of the entire season, the former David De Gea. So uh, have fun with that. Yeah, where do you start? Well, I suppose I suppose the, the best intro to this is is, is my song choice, <laughs> which, um, which which is Slippery When Wet by the Commodores. <laughs> I went on a similar uh, theme. I went for Ava <laughs> slipping through my fingers. I think this season has been a demonstration in the fact that De Gea's yips, we, we hope that, that perhaps they were a sort of passing mental thing or, or whatever. And it seems like it's now become a, a trend, a long-term trend of, of downward performance. I mean, at 29, he shouldn't be declining physically. So you have to imagine that there's, there's, there's some sort of mental block that he's dealing with. And it's something that he's, he's, he's been known to show for Spain that he had, that he hadn't really demonstrated itself at United until the last couple of years. But we're, we're kind of, he's, I think he's almost at a turning point. He's got the, the, Biggest contract at United prior to Sanchez joining. He's the United's highest paid player this season. And yet his performances aren't anything like even, I wouldn't have even said the average Premier League goalkeeper at the moment. He's still capable of an incredible reflex save, but he's getting a lot of the basic stuff wrong. And you have to wonder how long Oli can allow that to to continue. Um, I mean, Dean Henderson provides, Dean Henderson is, in a way, he possibly comes along at the right time because if he can persuade persuade Henderson to go with it then if you 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 tell Henderson he's going to get a lot of games he may even start the season I think De Gea needs proper competition to really focus and then you know whether he can really focus or not because as it is now the only thing really keeping him united I would imagine is one is wage and two the financial situation around Europe that means that there's not another club that could take on his 
enormous wages and United really can't afford to be to be paying for a new goalkeeper. And it's, it sounds terrible because, I mean, he was our best player for like five out of six seasons, but he's he's just not the keeper he was anymore. And I think it just must be a mental thing. No, I mean, for the most part, especially when you've been playing at an incredibly high level and bailing the team out as much as De Gea has, United's fan base, for the most part, will give you a good amount of support. And I think this is an unprecedented situation where I don't feel like we've had a player fire on such a high level for so consistently take such a concerted dip. Like I can't remember in the last sort of 20 years seeing a United player be so important to what we're doing and offer so many saves and fantastic reactions and keep United in so many games to then just have such a pronounced drop-off. And probably RVP, but yeah. well, I mean, even RVP was still scoring goals. You know, that, yeah. I mean, he was still providing yeah, and still yeah. giving us something. And if you're going to look at players' wages, look at it for the prism of Manchester United. Sometimes you have to accept that the wage they're being paid by this club is not necessarily indicative of true quality. <laughs> but at the same time, you would be expecting a little bit more bang for your buck when it comes to the hair. And you're right, you know, Dean Henderson pre- presents an interesting issue. And as we've spoken about previously. Uh, Oli Solskjaer hasn't necessarily shown himself to be scared of chucking big players out of the squad and out of the team if he doesn't feel like they can provide something and it's different with Dave because obviously it was only 12 months ago or so or 11 months ago that he signed that huge contract he's got real stability he doesn't really have much at the minute this exact moment because we don't know what's happening with Dean Henderson in terms of immediate competition but the pressure is on him now you know if we go into this next season and we're still getting errors by De Gea then if Henderson and Moreira are available, then I, I think Solskjaer's just got to go for it. I don't think there's any... There's, as good as De Gea was, football is only a sentimental game up to a certain point. And if De Gea keeps on making errors like this, then it is going to grate on Solskjaer to the point where he's going to have to make a decision that's in the best interest of the team, not one of his highest paid players. Who knows what's going to happen? But you know, Dave's got very little rope left to hang himself with now. Yeah, he has. Yeah, I think one of the one of the wider points as well is that I think Solskjaer coming in has to a degree exposed another weakness in his game as well, and that and not just him, but some of our defenders as well, and that we're trying to play through the press at the back, and he's never been the greatest with his feet. We don't really know how apt Henderson is with his feet because the vast majority of what he was being asked to do at at Sheffield United were, were long balls um, or, or long passes, um, which would you naturally have a relatively low degree of um, connecting with their target. So we don't really know if Henderson can play that role with his feet at the back. But if you look around the top teams in the Premier League and also the, the top teams in Europe at the moment, they've all got keepers who are good with their feet, good with distribution. And I think this that is a trend that's kind of exposed to Harry a bit more as well. Mm. That was goalkeepers over. I mean, you know, Dave, I think purely because of what he's provided for United and also how, you know, slippy he's been this season. I think that merited a good amount of depth. But I still don't think United are any closer to actually figuring out what the answer to that situation is. So, you know, we were speaking about it after that Chelsea game in quite fatalistic terms, really, weren't we? We were thinking that's got to be it now. And obviously it all feels a little bit different than on the 24 hours after a bad result and, you know, the howlers that he's providing in that game. But this feels like an issue that's got, a, uh, unfortunately, got more legs left in it before we see any sort of resolution. Mm. What was your De Gea tune? Then? Oh, it was Abba slipping through my fingers. <clears throat> ah, excellent. <laughs> I mean, look, it was the same Same-wise. theme, but, you know, it, it felt apt, yeah. put it that way. Right, defenders. Uh, I mean, I gave you Dave, so who have you got for me? Uh, I'll, I'll give you 
Eric Bai. Eric Bai. Okay, so the song I've chosen for Dear Old Eric is Queen Don't Stop Me Now because you have <laughs> no hope in hell of stopping that man from doing anything that he wants to do for better or indeed worse. You know, he was coming back into the side after months out with injury in that Chelsea game when we won 2-0 at Stamford Bridge in the league back in, uh, what was it, February or so. And he was just, you know, he was pulling off Cruyff terms. He was throwing himself into challenges. And there's just no hint of, is planning the correct word? Like almost forethought in that man's mind. And it's a purity in football that I really fully appreciate and enjoy watching. And even if at this point, how five years into his United career, I think, no, wait, four years into his United career, I don't think we're any closer to figuring out whether he could actually be a starting player for this team. And despite the fact that he, you know, we, we start off this segment quite whimsically, and it, it, he's a great guy. I've got a lot of time for it, but can we trust him? And the answer is we can trust him for entertainment purposes, but not necessarily on the pitch <laughs> in terms of offering solidity. I mean, for it over to you. Would you put Bailly in Maguire ahead of Lindelof for right now, knowing what we know of Victor Lindelof and Eric Bailly for next season, say we don't get a centre-back? I think if we don't get a centre-back, it'd be disastrous. But um, I'm quite down on Lindelof at the moment, so I'd almost accept that. I think the problem with Bailly is that he came to us, was he 22 or 23? And he'd essentially only had... I think he'd played just over 50 games, senior games of football in his, at about 22, 23, just because of the route he'd taken to, to the top. And so we got this clearly very talented, but, but very raw defender. And what's what's happened in the intervening period is that injuries have stopped him from ever playing consistently enough to really um, round those edges off. Um, and so what you what what we almost have is a, def- a defender who's what three or four years older, but still incredibly raw and still rash, and and you know his positioning is not always quite right. His decisions are not always right. Um, I mean, my 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 song was "Madman" by The Wanted. <laughs> that is kind of what he is, you know. You just I I think you're right. He I don't think even he knows what he's going to do next. Mm. Um, you know, it's almost almost feels like choosing between the devil and deep blue sea with him and Lindelof. I don't think either of them. Are ideal no. 11 11 starts all season which yeah i mean it's not it's not enough you can't and it's not his fault he doesn't it's not his fault he's got I injured mean, as much it, as Mourinho may try, try to blame him but do you not feel like it is partly his fault considering the haphazard way he just chuck himself into challenges because there's a bit of phil jones about oh, it in a way perhaps not in the same sort of bull in a china shop but eric Bailly is a defender with very little in the way of compromise when it comes to playing his game and you know yeah. Does it not have to be part of a way in which you're perhaps going into challenges a little bit better? Yeah, I mean there is a, there is a degree of recklessness there as well, but I mean, he's also had a lot of muscle injuries as well that really aren't you know necessarily his fault. I don't know. There's a line between bravery and stupidity, isn't there? And he mm. he doesn't quite seem to know where that is sometimes. All right, who's next? Oh, it's, it's me next for you actually, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. You're gonna have Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw. Okay. Well, I chose I chose not 19 forever by the by the Cortinas for this one because I kind of feel like we bought this guy he was actually 18 when we bought him wasn't he bought this young player that was perceived to be the best left left back talent in in the country for a lot of money and he's on he was on a big big money and for the first kind of four or five years he still felt like this young player who could still blossom into something into something good if really just the penny dropped really and 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 certain things happened and and we've seen glimpses of that i mean i think he played really well after the the lockdown but prior to his injury 
He was really dovetailing very well with Rashford and actually getting forward and getting to the box and getting up and down the line in a way that I haven't seen before. But but he's now, is he 25 now? 26? 25, I think he must be, mustn't he? He's 25. Yeah, 25. So, you know, he's he, he's a guy now who's at the age where you're supposed to be coming into being the finished product. I don't think we can look at him anymore and think there's a guy there and if, if we can just sort of round him off and get it out of him and drum into him what he needs to do to be to be one of the best he could do it whereas I think he's now at the point where he's either got to put up or shut up yeah I mean he, next season he needs to come in I think and be as close to the finished article as as he can be um, otherwise I do think that his future at the club is is in some jeopardy particularly given the the wages on you know that was another one where United got themselves in a pickle because they left it so long to uh, agree a new contract with him that he basically had him over a barrel um, because United's primary consideration for the last however many years when handing out new contracts is is what would it cost us to to sign the replacement and if if it's less than giving them a huge wage then we've 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 done that so yeah I mean he's not he's not young anymore he's, he should he shouldn't be a potential he should be the final the finished article now and, and he needs to show that next season this might be a little bit above my pay grade but I think it's looking at his attacking limitations that's the key for me thinking about how much he can provide us going forward and I think you know if we're going to you know transition on to Brandon Williams at some stage as well in this chat which we will um, there's not necessarily an argument to say that we've got the ideal left back the ideal modern left back one that can dovetail well with Rashford and also defend in that squad yet and you know i i went for my song i went for the beatles getting better but i think i've actually given a luke Shaw a little bit too much credit on that one i i, I think he had he, there's definite elements in the sense that you know several years ago he weren't sure he was ever going to get back to playing you know regular first team football for united and the fact that he is even with brandon williams around and having a good couple of months he is still seen as united's de facto starting left back i still think that we're cutting ourselves a little bit short by not investing a little bit more in that area of the pitch. Anyway, who have you got for me? Well, I was just, I was just, just add, just to add to that, I was actually saying, I think I was saying on Twitter today that if if it were up to me, I'd I'd be looking to get in a left another left back and then move Brandon Williams over to the right and and have him as kind of the sort of the backup right back or the rotation right back. I mean, you know, you've got a guy like uh, Reggie on it. Severe, who's supposedly valuable for 18 million this summer, which is an absolute steal for a talent of his level. And and given the United's money is short, you know, I, I, I'm surprised they wouldn't be tempted. But anyway, sorry. Yes, I digress. Um, I should give you. Well, why don't I give you the aforementioned the aforementioned Dallow? Dallow. Oh blimey. Um. I mean, <laughs> I don't actually know this song, but I went for Stormzy. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just for a title, I mean, th- that feels like it sums it up perfectly. It was really, really nice to see him get that goal against Tranmere Rovers in the FA Cup and how much it meant to him because he has clearly taken the idea of being a Manchester United player to heart. You know, he does, he clearly wants to be here. And it's one of those situations where it's really difficult to offer a full and frank appraisal because. You just don't know what's happening behind the scenes. When during you know post lockdown football, Timothy Vossimenser, a man who's been in the United Wilderness since 2016, mm. is getting games ahead of him. And Dallow was so hotly tipped when we purchased him in 2018 that it's disappointing to see the 
the turn that his career has taken at United and it just feels like at this stage with Wan-Bissaka pretty much locking up the right-hand side and a combination of Shaw and Williams probably prefer to him on the left where's he going to get his football and the answer is I don't know somewhere else <laughs> which works out quite well with the song oh there we go yeah. oh, I'm on it now oh. my, I'll tell you what my song my, my song is another it's a song I don't know either but it was essentially it's Pointless by Jordan Sweets which, oh, you know, he, he wow. has been, and it's not again not his fault. Like you say, I think he wants to be here. I think he's probably worked hard, but his body's just not with him. And and, and Ollie's clearly demonstrated in the last couple of months that he doesn't really want him. So I would expect there's a fair chance he'll leave this summer, and we'll never know. No, true. Okay, I will give you with that in mind. Ooh, uh, Timothy Vossimenser. Yeah. Okay. So I I chose. Um, I chose Lucky by Radiohead, and I'll, I'll elaborate. There's a guy who has been at United a long time, made quite a promising start under LVG, but then really stalled. He's had he's had a lot of issues with injuries, but essentially in the in the interim period between now and then, he's been away on two loans at Premier League clubs, neither of which have worked out. Partly due to injury, partly due to managers changing, partly due to just him not playing well enough, and. He's come back to United, got fit, and it almost feels like he's got back in the team just because he exists. <laughs> you know what I mean? The two you sweetest know, words in the exactly, English language. You know, uh, but but it is, isn't it? He's come back, and and, and Solskjaer's obviously decided that Dallow isn't for him. And and who's the other right back in the building? It's it's Timothy Fossumensen. So he's he's almost played. You know, he's played a couple of games in a United shirt just by being alive. <laughs> Essentially, um, and I'm sure he's. Do you know what it yeah. reminds me of? You ever seen Space Jam? Right, I, I can't remember the name of the actor, but it's the Dennis Nedry <laughs> character that's in it, and he's just on the bench, yeah. and then everyone is injured, and he's just sat there waiting for his moment, and then Michael Jordan just turns to him, right, go on, you're in it. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's that Australian speed skater, isn't he? That um, I don't know if you saw that the short course speed skater who was in the final and he was completely useless. He was about a lap back. And uh, there were six in the mm. final, and the other, the, the, all of the other five took took each other out on the final corner, and he 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 skated across nice. the line and won the gold. And yeah, he's he's a bit like that. He's just he's just right place at the right time, and he hasn't really done anything yeah. to have earned that. But you know, fair enough. Good luck to him. Yeah, I've, got, I've gone for a slightly uh, less dig in my song. I went for you twos. I still haven't found what I'm looking mm. for. I, I, the thing we took Timothy Fossey Mensa is that there'll still be people on 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 Twitter shouting but he's a midfielder play him in midfield um despite the fact he's not not played in mm. midfield since he was about 18 um and not to my recollection ever for the first team or hardly ever for the first team i think he may have come on as a sub once under somebody and played in defensive midfield but yeah i mean i don't, I don't think we even know what he really is anymore because he played center back under lvg i remember the game against watford where he played center back at 18 and we won one nil, hmm. incidentally, because Idi Garlo missed about five golden chances for Watford. But um, yeah, he's just a player. Who, I, I don't think doesn't sound like our already on a game. No, but I think you know. But I think if you uh, if you've got a player and you still don't really know what he is, and there's still people arguing over his position at the age that Fossi Mensa's at, then you know something's probably gone a bit wrong. I, I'm, I'm going to give you the the man, the myth that is Phil Jones. <laughs> um. He scored, to my recollection, his first goal in a United shirt since the David Moyes season 
in the Champions League. I think it was against CSKA in Moscow earlier on this season, uh, in the long, long ago, uh, <laughs> against Tramia Rovers, and it was a gorgeous little moment. He is often the butt of jokes, and unfortunately, he is one of the most memeable footballers in existence, mm. purely due to the incredibly acrobatic and elaborate ways in which his face doth move. Yep. For his own sake... I feel like he just needs to be somewhere else. And that's not because I'm not grateful for what he's done for the club, but it, it, it's just clear that he doesn't have anything to offer. You know, the, the image of him struggling so deeply against Sheffield United in that 3-3 game at Bramall Lane earlier on this year is, what was it, conceding for the first or second goal? And he just got turned so easily. You know, he just got muscled off the ball. His, You need regular first team football in order to get back any consistency and whilst United's options you know we got plenty of options but not necessarily massively high quality they're going to get picked over Phil Jones nine times out of ten and he just needs to find a new club you know I I mean it's sad that it hasn't worked out there was so much there was promise that you could see that in the first couple of years but it's just never quite fully Mm. come off and again you know how much of that is just not necessarily being unlucky with injuries or not necessarily going into challenges correctly who knows but it for whatever reason has not worked out from United and it needs you know this it needs he needs to come off the wage yeah. bill which is the most brutal way of saying it song I've gone for is Slipknot Left Behind <laughs> yeah well I, I've just gone for Clubfoot Kazabian <laughs> right okay yeah you're right, right. I, I, I do feel sorry for him I don't think any of this is his, is his fault as, as such but he, he feels like one of those players who, who needs to be playing at at this point needs to be playing every week and he doesn't have the physical capacity to be brought in every once every two months and, and play at anything mm. like the level he needs to be at. Um, he's not Sergio Romero. No, he's he? not Sergio Romero. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he does need to go, doesn't he? Yeah. All right. Uh, for you, I'll give you ooh, Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams. Right. Well, I kind of had, I kind of had a, a joint one for Williams and Greenwood, although I do end up have another one for Greenwood. Which is is bright young things by the Pet Shop Boys. Um, okay, it's fairly cool. self-explanatory. I suppose you could probably say Williams has been the the pleasant surprise of the of the season for United, um, and I think that probably applies for for Solskjaer and 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 within the club as well. Um, you know, he wasn't taken on tour. He he really earned his place through an injury to Luke Shaw, but also through exceptional performances for under 23s. I still think he's very raw. I think he's got an awful lot to learn. I was slightly concerned. I mean, you don't know for sure exactly what these wages are, whether they're reported right. Slightly concerned, the kind of reports that he was now earning about 65 grand a week. And that might be wrong, but um, it kind of felt like, I'm not sure he's quite at that point yet. Although the way United give contracts out, that probably makes him a, under 18 player but but you take my point you take my point i think he's had a really 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 i think you're funny don't you, I'm, not, I'm not funny um <laughs> he um he's had a really really promising first season but i think at, towards the end particularly when, when shaw was out and we needed a left back i think he we kind of saw the immaturity to his game um just in terms of his mm. concentration his sometimes his positioning decisions um i mean you know against we're talking about the semi-final against chelsea but um the sideways pass that led to the the mason mount goal things like that and i noticed quite quite often he wasn't quite holding the offside line right these are all things that 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 ollie can work work on in the next 
or whenever they get back for two or three weeks before before we restart again so I think that's perhaps what he needs he just needs time to be coached a bit and and I've got hopes for him I'd like to see him move to right back to be honest to compete or to rotate with Aaron Wan-Bissaka because I think he still does look a little bit awkward on that on on his right foot as a left back and I also think it we lost the the overlapping the natural left-sided overlapping um runs of Shaw that in the in the sort of final weeks of the season that you know he he created a really um, effective partnership with Rashford and, and we kind of lost that as soon as Shaw got injured but yeah I mean there's plenty of promise to work on and I'm, I'm quite looking forward to seeing how he does next season yeah alright who next right for you I shall give you Harry Maguire you can you, you can have Ooh. you can have the comedy <laughs> the comedy set up okay um, well tell me what song you went for for our dear beloved captain, I went for a song called "Greek Tragedy" by the Wombats. It's not, it's not original. <laughs> it's not original, but it's, but it, but it is what it is. Do you want to know what I went for? Go on then. Akon locked up. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Like, you know yeah. I mean, thank God we were doing this today because you know, I mean, it just timed itself perfectly. Mm. I mean, hmm, I think more than any other player in United's defence. He is something of an outlier in the sense that you look at the, the statistics in terms of how much, you know, quote unquote, better United's defence has been from last year to this year with <clears throat> bringing Wan-Bissaka and Maguire into the fold. And you look at the statistics and they don't really necessarily paint the full picture. And Maguire, to me, is an example, a pure example of that in the sense that we have watched him week in, week out for this entire season, every single game, pretty much. And... I still don't feel like we've seen the best of him yet, anywhere near the best of him. I mean, not consistently anyway. You know, he's he's not undeserving of the armband. And obviously, when it comes to making a decision like that, Solskjaer wouldn't have given him the captain's armband if he didn't feel like Maguire was a positive influence in the dressing room and was the leader. You know, you don't get that if you've been at United for six months unless you've got some serious clout behind you and some chops in those avenues. So that made sense. I think... In terms of where he sits as a player for me, I still feel like whilst there is a presence there, I'm still missing that sense of defensive organisation and that ability to calm down a back four. You know, there's definitely a player there who will chew Luke Shaw out in front of an entire empty stadium and we can all hear him (laughs) if there's a pass going astray. And that's encouraging to see because it's clearly a no-nonsense, you know, classic British defender there. Is there a player that was worth 18 million? That's something up for debate. Is there a guy who could head the ball a bit better? That's certainly not up for debate. Is this going to be the guy who's going to take United onto the next level? I'm not convinced. I'll be honest. I mean, I think he's turned in a really encouraging performance on more than one occasion. I think there's definitely been periods and the fact that he's been available for so many games this season is a testament to how committed he is to United and to playing his football. And that should not be taken for granted. But, I mean, if you were going to put a gun to my head and make him the best defender of the season, I'd have a real hard time doing it because I don't necessarily think he's distinguished himself enough for that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think our judgments of him are coloured a little bit by by the loss of form that he had in the last couple of months of the season after we came back you know there were a number of a number of errors or a number of moments that really it sort of kind of exposed his weaknesses there was the the Bergwijn goal against uh, Spurs I think he got nutmeg for the uh, Stanley's last goal against Bournemouth and there were just a few other moments that that 
you know, I think he's he struggled a little bit with with us playing out from the back as well under the high press, and 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 I think I think he's been affected by the fact that he's played more than anybody else. He's playing in a defence which remains a work in progress and quite disjointed, and he's he seems to me to be a centre back who needs the right partner, um, and I don't think any of the options we've got are necessarily the right partner at the moment for him um i mean i think you know a fit and kind of smoothed off by would actually make a pretty good partner for him because he's got the pace and athleticism to to, to kind of counter Maguire's um inadequacies but by isn't that player so you know we, i i think we really do need to be looking for an alternative to play next to him um and i know that's with any any transfer we talk about for this summer, I think it's it's hindered by the fact that we really aren't cash rich at all, given the circumstances, and so we just have to kind of wait and see what we do. But I do think I do think his form declined at the end of the season to a point where we judge him more harshly than is perhaps fair over the entire piece. I mean, there was the I saw lots of slow mos and and memes and things about his about the severe the first severe goal, the severe equaliser, and if you look at if you actually look at it, <clears throat> there was a lot of criticism that he wasn't. Go, he wasn't essentially attacking the byline, attacking the player with the ball. But if you actually, if you look at the wider shot, he was he he saw the severe player, another severe player coming in to the top of the area, and tried to block that channel. And the reason we conceded that goal was because we got completely skinned on the right hand side, and and Williams was out of place and didn't mark his his player. But it was it was kind of it was Maguire who got the criticism, and I think that's almost where we are now. It, it's gone, perhaps at the start of the season. He was being overly praised um, for his qualities, and I think at the end he was being overly criticised. And, and the, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. All right, then only a few more defenders to go. Let's try and bash through these. Uh, Axel Two and Zebe. There's not a lot to say. There, my um, my my song is made of glass by by an artist I can't pronounce, um, but I think that sums it up, doesn't it? Um, he's just not fit. He's not been fit for long enough. We don't really know how good he can be because he's not been fit. You know, he's kind of another in the in the Dallow by triumvirate of of who knows. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's any good, really. I don't. I don't know how good he can be, and I don't know if he'll ever be fit and actually be able to play enough to for us to yeah, find out. Yeah, I mean, it's a real shame for him that it's not necessarily come off because yeah. there's definitely been a chance for him to make a name for himself this season because United's defence has been so open but I do think that Solskjaer needs to decide where to play him you know you think about the game against mm. Arsenal and that mistake that led to the embamming equaliser and it's just nailing down a position in that United back four and saying this is where you're going to play for this team would certainly help him out you know I know he's young I know you can't do that with everyone but you know if two hands every is so highly rated then nail it down make a decision uh, right, so you've had two on Zebe. Who are you giving me? Well, the only th- I think the only defender we have. Oh, we have two defenders left, actually. I'm going to give we you. We have three. Do we? I'm going to give you the um, the open goal that is Marcos Rocco, then. Excellent. Do you know what song I chose for Marcos Rocco, Rich? Tell me. Jojo, leave. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was probably um, <laughs> probably what I'd have liked to have done. I was a bit kinder, but 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 I don't I don't want to be kind actually. Now, I mean, what more to say? I mean. Nothing. Like I mean, an incredibly mad person will always have the toast. He certainly didn't help himself by breaking a lot down when he was online in Argentina. And what an incredible situation where a player is basically told, yes, your loan is up, but we don't want you to come back. 
just stay there until we can figure something out. What dire straits and what another terrible yeah. situation that United have brought for themselves when you some another rubbish contract. But there we go. Right, so give me Marcus Rocco. Uh, Wan-Bissaka. Aaron Wan-Bissaka for you. Oh, yeah. Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Right. The, this is one for the the, uh, the middle-aged amongst us, so you may you may not know. But I, I went for the theme tune from Inspector Gadget. Is there silence? Do you not know who Inspector Gadget is? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Inspector Gadget. You love Inspector Gadget. Well, there you go. That that's that's what it is. And and it's, if you, if you know Inspector Gadget, it's self-explanatory. His 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 legs are like Inspector Gadget's limbs. Um, they oh. they're very 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 bendy and extendy and 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 long and spidery. I think there's a player who's improved there. I think he's another one whose form suffered a little bit at the end of the season. But we have to remember, it's only actually in his second proper season as a as a first team footballer in the Premier League. He's clearly a very good defender. Um, I think he's shown that quite a lot, with, with a few exceptions. But you know, players have bad games. The criticism of him going forward is is valid, but I think he has improved in that respect. Um, I mean, he's got. I think he's got four. Four Premier League assists this season, which isn't anything incredible, but it's not nothing either. And I think his crossing in particular had improved a lot. What I'd like to see from him is what you'd expect from a former winger, which is just the confidence to to actually get at the full back a bit more and, and take him on and, and, and mm. try and make something happen. Because I think sometimes he plays inhibited, possibly chooses the easy ball, doesn't. I mean, the, the the times that he has been brave and taken taken the fullback on, he's actually quite often created something. I mean, he did really, really well for, for example, Rashford's goal against Newcastle at home when he really he made a really sort of buccaneering run into the box and and, and delivered a really beautiful cross to the back post for for Rashford. So um, I think there's a good attacking fullback in there. It's just a case of giving him the confidence and the and the skill set to actually actually become that that player um i don't have any concerns about him defensively i think it's been a pretty promising first first season from him at united yeah i'd agree with that um i went for the spider-man theme tune by the ramones yeah it all, I know, it it's low hanging fruit time. but i just felt i had to go for it yeah yeah right uh so the last one yeah by default is victor lindelof so i went for drake ice melts <laughs> mine was mine was mine, mine was um was the saturday not good enough I, I just, oh you know, well he's he's not oh he's okay not, he's well, not to be a starter he's not to be the starting centre-back next to Maguire in, in in a United team that really could challenge for something I mean I'd ask you to show me you're working but you don't need to yeah <laughs> if it was just a random error like the second goal against Sevilla last week then you could chalk that up to a bit of tiredness a bit of jaggedness from you know obviously the incredible the weird schedule that we've been playing football with over the last six months with three months off and then coming back in at short notice and then games shoved into such a small chunk of time you know obviously your you know your fitness is going to come into question your focus is going to come into the equation and you know you can mitigate errors like the Sevilla second goal when they happen that occasionally but it's not a rare occurrence for Victor Lindelof is it you know we know that he's prone to lapses it's frustrating because you can see that there is a good player there I don't think United have I'd arguably got a player in the centre back anyway that is better at you know driving the ball out from defence than him you know I think you know midfielders often make the mistake of actually giving him too much time and he's actually able to get us in some good positions when he's allowed to do it and I wish it would happen a little bit more 
but it's an it's another player in the sense that he's been with us for three seasons and I still don't know if he's ever going to make it at United because we still have not been able to see consistently over the course of say 10-15 games true I mean is there a better word than consistency or just the level of quality that doesn't dip you know errors happen you know and United haven't been blessed with a consistent and cohesive center, you know, or defensive partnership across the back four for a long time. And it is difficult to build up that trust and that rapport. But when you look at the way that he and Maguire interact, I don't get the feeling that either of them are really, truly in charge. There's yeah. not necessarily a distrust, but there's a disconnect between them. And I don't feel like when you look at Vind- Victor Lindelof in those instances, when he switches off for a split second, especially in the Premier League. The focus is so intense that you can easily concede a goal. You know, you think back to the goal that we conceded against Southampton, that 2-2 draw at Old Trafford. And, you know, it's in those small details that Lindelof is often found lacking when he just lets a player escape or he's not quite quick enough to track a run or anything like that. And it's not new. And again, you know, if we're going to be brutally honest, it's not really good enough. No, I think Lindelof's issue is that he doesn't have uh, a single outstanding attribute um you know if you're, you're looking at Maguire and you you can say well he's slow but he is a physical defender he is dominant in the air he is powerful he can he can outstrength a a center back and i think generally his positioning's pretty good and uh, and whatnot i think his 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 main issue really is his lack of pace with Lindelof, I, I look at him and I just don't think I don't think there's anything that stands out. He, he's not supremely quick. He's a bit too easy to physically overpower. He doesn't have great concentration. He doesn't always position himself right, and he doesn't anticipate danger some of the time. And there's always a moment or two moments in a game or every other game when when he just completely loses track of the player he's supposed to be watching or marking or whatever else. And so you get a defender who repeatedly we keep conceding just because he's switched off slightly or, or he's just not strong enough or good enough in the air or whatever. And, and I think given Maguire's uh, strengths and weaknesses, I don't think he's, he's a player who can, who can really bring the best out of Maguire either. So for me, I think he's a, he's a fine defender to have as a squad option. You know, as somebody who comes in every so often and plays plays in certain games. You know, you're essentially you're Henning Berg, <laughs> but I, I don't. <laughs> well, it's no, Henning. I liked Henning. Henning was Henning was a, was good, but um, mm. yeah, he's not. He shouldn't be starting in the back four of. He wouldn't be starting in the back four of a title challenging team. Yeah, I mean that's just just where he is. I'd have him. I'd I'd happily move Jones on and move Lindelof down the queue to third, and bring in a new centre back who's better and more suitable to pair with Maguire because I think we're going to struggle until we do that. Fair enough. Right. I mean that's the defenders and the goalkeepers done. Rich, let's take a quick break, shall we? Let's do it. Support for this week's episode of Red Voices is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped has just launched in the UK and are bringing their waterproof long-life battery electric trimmer to you so you can trim your nether regions in comfort with a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents and a nice LED for those hard-to-reach places. As a loyal listener to Red Voices, you can get free shipping and 20% off of Manscaped's products and packages, no pun intended, by using a special discount code. So to get 20% off and free shipping, use the code REDVOICES, all one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com 
using the code REDVOICES. I'm going to save with this last line because it's marketing genius. Manscapes make your testies their besties. And we're back. Right, midfielders. Um, oh, God. Which one do we just have? So we were just doing Victor Lindelof, which is my default. So I get to choose for you now. Right, Rich, yes. you have... Ooh, I tell you what, I'm going to give you a relatively all right one. Scott McTominay. Right, well, I went, I went for your so vain by Carly Simon. <clears throat> purely because... <laughs> purely because... Who Why? Was he, who was it? One of the... Was it... I don't know if it was Dan James, but one of the... Um, one of the United players said that he's essentially got a bit of a Terminator body because he just spends loads of time topless in the gym working out and admiring his admiring his guns. That was my takeaway because, like, again, McTominay's one who he hasn't been playing much towards the end of the season because obviously those who've been starting are of significantly higher quality than than him, and he's he's one who's who's a good squad option. But what is he exceptional at? He's not an exceptional holding midfielder. I don't think he's got the positional sense to do that. He's more ideal. He's very good at pointing to the badge. When he we is. Win. He's 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 more ideal for a kind of box to box role. But then, does he have the the technical quality and the passing range to kind of play that role as either? And so it's almost a case of if you put him in the team, you know you're going to get something. You know you're going to get an enormous work rate. You're going to get a lot of heart. He has scored a few reasonably important goals this season. Quite good goals as well. Quite high quality goals. So I'm not saying he's useless. I'm just saying that. I don't think he's he's exceptional at anything apart from being an athlete. He's good at some things, but he's not exceptional. And so for me, he's a guy who's really handy to have, but I don't think he'll ever be, if, if United do things right from here, I don't think he'll ever be a starter in, much like Lindelof, really. You know, it's not like Pereira in, in the sense that I, I just wish he'd go away. I, <laughs> I think he's got a purpose. I just don't think it's he's got enough in his locker to, to be a starter in a, in a really good United team. No, that's why I went with Steeler Wheels stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> yes. Because he kind of fits that middle ground quite well, doesn't he? Yeah, he's not he necessarily does, yeah. good enough to be a guaranteed starter in a really high-quality United side, but he's not necessarily bad enough to really be pushed to the wayside either. Proper middle ground. He's kind of handy to have around for certain circumstances, isn't he? I'd have said. I mean, five goals? I mean... One of the goals of the season for that goal against LASK in the... Sorry, not LASK. Uh, what did we play first? Club Bruges. Club... scored that amazing pass-like goal, didn't he? Mm, and the goal against Arsenal. Oh, that, was a, that was a terrific goal as well. Um, and obviously City Pretty at decent. home. Yep. So... Five goals and 37 appearances, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when he scored, he scored some, some belters, didn't he? But, um, yeah, but yeah just, it's, it's difficult to know where he fits into the team because, you know, the most natural position that he'd play is... In, is in Pogba's position, but if you do that, you you're, you're putting in a completely different kind of midfielder, um, and and right. and you unquestionably lose a lot of the technical quality and creativity you have there. So he's almost a guy who doesn't have necessarily have a role in Solskjaer's preferred system, but he's clearly a, a died in the wall red, and and I'm sure he'd be perfectly happy to play a squad role for United, given the the number of games we're going to have next season. You know we're going to need we're going to need a squad. Mm, sure. Right. Who have you got for me? I have got. I'll give you. I'll give you Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard. All right. So I went for Andrea Bocelli's "Time to Say Goodbye" for my song. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I, I went mm. for for "Broken" by Evanescence. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. In the, well, no, look, it's harsh. In the in the sense that he's clearly he he's not been the player. He's not a top class player, but he's not been the player that he can be for quite some time. 
Um, and he's mm. he's one like Phil Jones, I think, that needs to needs to go and play somewhere else. That's that was the point behind that. Yeah, okay, that didn't that's not a bit mean. And uh, you know, this isn't meant to be a massive digger at Jesse Lingard because again, died in the war red, lad who's been around around the team for a long time, and who's gone through a lot of big personal problems this year. And again, in a hugely functioning United side, you could have said this over the course of the last couple of years. Do you see him starting when everyone's firing on all cylinders? And the answer, realistically, is no. And I think for him personally, this is another guy who would benefit from getting a change of scene. And I understand, obviously, for whatever personal reason, that might be difficult to resolve. If we're talking about it on purely on a football career level, then Jesse Lingard will certainly benefit from starting in, say, a Upperton mid-Premier League team. You know, Say, an yeah. Everton, he would work pretty well at a club like that because he would be able to influence play frequently. And I'm sure he'd really fit into that side and setup. But mm. at United, he's given us some fantastic moments, but I just don't think he's got anything left to offer in a red shirt. And that's not necessarily an indictment on him. I think that's just that United need more. Uh, right, so for you, I'm going to say Andres Pereira. Well, I, I went for Slide Away by Oasis because that's what I wish he'd do. <laughs> I went for Metallica, the thing that should not be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the thing with prayer is, you know, look, again, I, I don't have a personal issue with any, any footballer, but I'm not convinced that Andreas Pereira is even a Premier League footballer. And ultimately, there's no room for sentiment at United. You know, we we played him... I think he played probably maybe 12 or 13 league games in the first half of the season, sometimes on the right, occasionally at number 10, and and, and he just offers nothing. Because I just don't think he's got the quality. And I think it was the Bruges away game, the second leg against... Well, was it the first leg against... Yeah, the first leg against Bruges in, in Belgium. I think he started at 10, and then we took him off and brought Bruno on for, for the last kind of 15, 20 minutes. And the the difference in quality was absolutely absurd. And it's at that point you realise the depth of the lack of quality that we've been suffering as a team and as a fan base for for the first half of the season. Um, and he is, I think he's right. I mean, the, the reports lately have said that that he wants to move, even if Solskjaer wants to keep him. And I think that's right because he must know deep down one that he need, he wants and needs to play every week, and two that he's probably not of the standard that he needs to be at to to be challenging or, or at least backing up adequately a guy like Bruno Fernandes. I mean, I think he does just need to go and play somewhere else and see see what his level is, really. Yeah, I mean, 40 appearances, two goals, including that stonker against LASK in the first leg. I mean, he's never going to beat that Southampton goal, that curling beast that he scored last season, or the season before, sorry. But yeah, wouldn't disagree with that at all. Who have you got for me? You can have one matter. One matter. Okay, so that was an easy one. Uh, steps, Juan Fasoro. <laughs> that's that's a lot more um a, a lot more creative than mine 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 was where is it mine was beautiful mind by the verve okay that that's nice that's sweet that i appreciate nice. that um yeah. again you know i mean this this is turning into a cull episode of the podcast this we're just basically mm. suggesting who should go i mean juan's got another year left on his contract i'm assuming he's not going to get another one in certain circumstances as we saw in extra time against copenhagen in the quarterfinals of the europa league you can certainly see where he's got his use and again if we're going to be playing a lot of games this season you would say that having a a player of his nous and his technical ability would certainly be a bonus but unfortunately his body's just not there anymore you know it wasn't he was, his game was never necessarily about pace anyway. It was more about being able to find the right pass, 
bring players into the game. And also, with his level of craft, he could really do a lot of things better than most of the people around him. And that's not necessarily the case anymore. United play at such a high pace and high speed these days that he's kind of become a bit of a passenger when he does play. And that's not necessarily to say he's got nothing left to offer, but if you're thinking about the games United are going to play, how many passengers can we afford to carry for the season? You know, we're going to be playing Champions League games this coming year and we're going to need more. And if we're going to be playing against a team that's going to be sat back with tons of defenders in behind the ball then maybe i can see more of a use for more on a frequent basis but otherwise i'm just not sure there's much left room there's there's much more room left for people who can't necessarily deliver something on a consistent basis and you know as much as i love juan and we all love him you know can you honestly say that there is an obvious plan for him going forward in this United side. No, it kind of it kind of felt like another one where we gave him a contract because we didn't want to have to replace him. Do you love giving contracts that way? We, we do for that purpose. Yeah, it's 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 the the Glazer curse. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's another one that that if you had an, a rounded squad that was built for for the, for the purpose that it was being asked to achieve, then you would have two players in every position who essentially were capable of the same things. But again, it, he he's another position where he's a completely different option to the guy who he would replace on the right. It's a completely different player. So how do you make substitutions and maintain your system when you don't have players of similar qualities to, to bring on? Having said that, he is a guy who still has technical quality, creative quality, and if you're going to make best use of him, it's probably better to give him more than three minutes to affect a game. Yeah, that would be ideal. Yeah, so, uh, you know, this is this is a, an ongoing criticism as volley, but, you know, if you've got one matter and you're chasing a goal, why do you... And even if you've got Igalo, why do you, why do you leave it to the 87th minute to make a substitution? Yeah, that, I mean, that's that baffled me. You know, ultimately, what is the point of having him there if you don't bring him on when it really matters? And that's that's really what kind of happened. And I think again that showed. It's clear that Solskjaer has lost faith in a very large number of his squad players, and I think Matter is kind of one that he has lost that faith in, or who he's just decided can't do what is required of him. In in an ideal world, we'd move all of these guys on and bring in new players. I mean, I think there was a um, there was a tweet today that mentioned that Sevilla won the Europa League with a starting 11, only two of whom were at Sevilla last year. Essentially, Monchi came in, got rid of about 17 players and bought 11 and created a whole new team in the summer. But United just... United oh, just imagine um, United don't have the nows to do that. They don't have the, the, the personnel in place to do it, to identify the talent, to get them at the right price. So, you know, I, if in an ideal world, I'd move Matter on this summer, but I can't see it because... He's under contract, and I don't think we'd want to buy a replacement for him, um, which is a, a sad state of affairs, but it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, lovely guy, probably not fit for purpose anymore. Right. Uh, talking about players who may or may not be fit for purpose, Fred. Yeah. So, again, this is a song I don't know. I had to I had to look for this, but it was basically it was called Good or Bad by Hayley Reinhardt. And, and the answer, the, the point of that is, I don't know which he is. I just don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I watch him and I think there's a really good player in there. He's he's had a really good game there. He's done an awful lot. You know, he's mobile, he's quite technically gifted, he can he can dribble a bit, he's got a reasonable passing range, he can he can do a, a good energetic job defensively. But then sometimes I watch him and 
he's he's falling over he's picking the getting picked off when he picks the ball up with his back to goal from the keeper at the top of the d i don't i don't know if he's any good or not really because i don't think he consistently has shown enough even though his his level clearly improved in the first few months of the season you know the bar for for us looking at players who were playing well was pretty low i think he's one that i would definitely give more time to but i i i, I just couldn't tell you whether he, he is or could be an answer for united in I mean, ideally, the defensive midfield position, because that seems to be where Ollie wants to play him. But I, I don't think he's ideal there either. I'm not sure he's quite got the tactical discipline to play there. So, yeah, I, I don't know whether he's good or bad. <laughs> I wouldn't disagree with that. Who have you got for me? Okay, um, I'll give you Pogba. Oh, okay. So I went for Don't You Want Me Baby by the Human League. Hmm. I, I went for, uh, again, this was this was me searching the internet. I went for Scapegoat <laughs> by, by someone called Sawana Hiroyuki. Nice. Okay, I'll, I, I can get on board with that. Um, one of the great joys of post-lockdown football has been watching Paul Pogba enjoy playing football for Manchester United again. Considering that you could certainly see a way in which, had the season played out as intended, you know, obviously in a in a pre-COVID world, you were thinking in a couple of months we're going to be losing him, and then you know what happens Bruno was playing quite well but obviously there's a Pogba shaped hole in that midfield as there had been for the entire year and you're thinking what on earth do United do next coronavirus has seemed to put a complete stop to any notion that Paul Pogba is going anyway purely because the money involved in such a transfer is just not freely available to seemingly anyone apart from what us Mm. and Chelsea I think he's done enough in that period post lockdown to remind us in some ways of the frustrations that you can get with him and in the sense of you know you look at the performance against Sevilla and it wasn't you know it it was inconsistent you know there were parts where he was messing up simple passes but then he's still capable of digging out such great through balls and he has vision like no one else does in the Premier League and maybe even the continent at times he's just able to find players in space that no one else should anyone else should reasonably be expected to do and, you know, I still think, despite on occasion how good he's been in the post-lockdown landscape, there's still more to come from him. And that excites me. And I think yeah. that as we prepare for this next season with Bruno getting, I guess it's not necessarily a full pre-season, but he's buckled into life at United now, right? And Pogba, yeah. presumably now focused, you would have thought that a new contract is close to being signed if not already signed and we're just waiting for the announcement you would think at this stage this is now the time for him to stand up and prove that he is worth every penny because until he consistently produces I think at United there are going to be naysayers I mean there's naysayers anyway you know Graham Sooness et al are never going to be fully happy and I fully find my I'm I'm often on the side of the coin that wants to give Pogba as much you know support and encouragement and you know leeway as possible because he's capable of such great things when he's on it and I still think that we've got an absolute gem of a player in there if we can get the team playing to a high enough level consistently then he will be a core part of us doing anything in the 2021 season right uh, I would say for you uh, we've got two more midfielders Nemanja Matic uh, for my song for Matic I went for Travis Turn the chorus of that goes turn 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 Turn, 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 turn. It's funny because he can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because because mine was turning circles by Judas Priest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. 
bit of priest in there. I'm happy with that. I mean, obviously, yeah. we both went for the same sort of general wheelhouse. Way yeah. Right, yeah. go on. Hello. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he almost became Ollie's go-to defensive midfielder in the after lockdown. And I think, you know, from a player who we'd all we'd all written off really he actually put in some really good performances and did give some balance to that kind of post lockdown super form team that we had um i think he he tired a bit in 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 the latter weeks of the season and and ollie preferred fred to him in the europa league couple, last couple of europa league games but the, you know there is a there is an experienced old hand in there his issues are his mobility and the speed with which he um, distributes the ball and that's that's always been the case but I do think we've gone from a player who most of us would have said you know is another one who isn't good enough and doesn't have a role here to establishing himself as a as a player with use with a use so you know he, he, there's so many players in United again he's a guy who if we play him as in, in defensive midfield position we don't have a like-for-like replacement and we're almost a squad of pieces that don't necessarily have any bear any relation to each other and I think United do need to buy at some point a new defensive midfielder and one with a, a bit of a passing range as well. But for now, I think he's he's fine as an option there going forward. I mean, there's, I think it's like a time and a place for Matic really, isn't it? You know, and I think you've seen Solskjaer experiment a little bit with Fred starting in that DM role over the last couple of games of the season to see whether or not he can hack it. And the results have been mixed, you know. If you compare him and Fred, Matic has got, something that he not necessarily excels at but you understand the point of him being in the side and that's his mm. passing ability right he doesn't necessarily act as a, the best the world's best defensive screen you know he's not necessarily going to tackle a lot but at least he's going to pass the ball well and that's not necessarily something you can say for some of the other midfield options so at least there's that he's tactically better than any of the other options in that position as well you know i think his positional ability and his ability to be in the right place is is better and i think both fred and mctominay have shown that they don't necessarily have that that kind of uh, defensive nous um, to play in that role. I've got Bruno then, haven't I? Well, you what was have, your Bruno song you then? Bruno. So my my, um, my Bruno song is The Catalyst by Linkin Park. Okay, I'll go for that. I went for Billy Medley and Jennifer Warnes. Uh, I've had the time of my life. <laughs> yeah, yours is happier, but but also also reflects the joy that we felt at Bruno's arrival. Uh huh. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of comparisons made with uh, Bruno's transfer with Eric Cantona back in the early 90s in terms of the transformative effect that it had on the side. And obviously, I don't think anyone reasonably expects him to have the level of influence and you know the, reach the level of adoration that Cantona had because, I mean, that's, number one, practically impossible and, two, wildly unrealistic. Mm. Um, but in terms of the way that he's added such a much needed component to United's side there is you know there is some truth to the comparison if you look at you think about what we were going into in games against City I mean the game at the Etihad is a great example United were essentially trying to pass the ball out to Rashford and Martial and Dan James and Jesse Lingard as quickly as possible there was essentially the midfield was redundant you know there was no point to them whatsoever it was just having pacey forwards and making sure that we could get the ball up to them quickly and attack City when they were pressed high up the pitch you now look at United and we have the ability to play with pace, but not only that with a point, you know, Bruno is putting himself pretty much front and centre of almost every single good thing that we do. And there's been an evolution in terms of the way we speak about him, especially in the last few months, in terms of the fact that we have seen him get more tired and thus make more mistakes. And as we knew from all the... (laughs) 
the incredible amount of chit chat that we had about this exact transfer a year ago and you know who knows you know i guess there's several reasons as to why united didn't pull the trigger back then but we think we can all agree that was a bad idea based on what we've seen you know they were worried about him giving the ball away or at least they gave that as a you know a, a hidden reason as to why they didn't go through with the transfer a year ago there is still some truth to that but you've just got to at times take those risks you know united's football has been so stodgy and so dull and so risk averse over the last seven years that having a player like Bruno who will look to break lines a bit quicker who will make mistakes but at least try and make something happen for us it makes United a much more dangerous and not only that an unpredictable proposition and you know you're not even getting to the key part of this and the fact that we suddenly have a set piece taker that you can actually rely on you know the free kick against Bournemouth was an absolute beauty and his ability from the penalty spot I mean, off the top of your head, can you think of anyone in United shirt who has been a good from penalties as him in the last 20 years? Because I'm struggling. Probably, probably, 30 years. I, I would have said Reed Van Nistelrooy was an absolute demon at penalties. Although he did... I mean, as soon as you said Reed Van Nistelrooy at penalties, do you know where my mind went? The, he, Arsenal, the Arsenal game, yeah, I guess. Um, he missed yeah. one against Olympiacos in the Champions League as well. But a lot of the time, he was, you know, his penalties were absolutely emphatic. And one of the things that he used to do is he used 90% of the time, he put the ball in the same place which is to the to the right of the keeper, but the, the keeper never saved it. But Bruno is obviously currently on another plane with his with his hundred percent record. I, I would say that his his penalties to this point have probably been as effective as um Eden Hazard's penalties at, at Chelsea. He's another guy who just waits for the keeper and, and, and there doesn't seem to be a great deal the keeper can do about it. And then every occasion every so often he just throws in an absolute blooter and, and lamps it like he did against Copenhagen. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, he's one of those he's one of those penalty takers that it must just be, you know, have keepers pulling the hair out as to, as to what exactly to do because whatever they do, he seems to react to that. But yeah, I mean, his, his penalty taking is absolutely exceptional. I guess you look at the way in which United, as we said, have transformed into a much more dangerous proposition, and the fact that with Matic and Pogba there is a, a midfield trio there that can win the ball back can hold on to it and can use it well and bring the front three into play. It gives me a lot of hope coming into this next season, despite the fact that we know it didn't end in the best terms in terms of the Europa League campaign. I think there's something great to build on and expand upon over the next couple of years. In there. And, it, you know, Bruno seems so desperate for this move. You know, I mean, you watch him on flipping Instagram. He is liking every single United-related post you could find. The first name I see on my Instagram feed is always Bruno Fernandez, and man knows how to ingratiate himself into a team. You know, he's he's been a breath of fresh air at a point where United really sorely needed it. You know, you think about the fact that it wasn't two games prior to his arrival that we were losing to Burnley, and the way that you know it's still not perfect now, but the fact that he gives us something in terms of his ability to pick out a pass and the fearlessness that he has and his creativity it's such a step up from what we were dealing with before that it's night and day and the the good thing is is that I still feel like there's more for him to give to I know we've spoken about this ad nauseum but when you have a guy who comes in and makes as much difference to a team as he has I think United have become a little bit one-dimensional in a sense and and it's kind of exposed when his form's dropped off it's exposed the fact that we don't have those game-changing players in other positions so what United need to do and I think what they need to do to get the best out of Bruno is what they seem to be wanting to do which is at least to get a right winger 
in because then it gives United the ability to attack from different angles. Whereas now, everything we do seems to go through need to go through Bruno, and if Bruno's having a bad game, United have a bad game. So that's just that 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 should really guide our summer. Right. Uh, before we get into forwards, then, Rich, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Your moment and your goal of the season. Oh, you have put me on the spot. Um, I have to say, I really, really love Mason Greenwood's first goal, and and it, against Astana, and, and every goal that he scored since then, just because this is a kid that I've been watching play for the under 18s and the under 19s in the Youth Cup, and then for a short few months the under 23s. And looking at him and thinking, this guy is the real deal. But even when even when you see a young player of that talent, you just don't know how quickly or how well they're going to adapt to playing at first team level. And so the, almost the most pleasure I've had from this season is seeing him step up and, and it becoming apparent that he's absolutely as good as I thought he was. And just the quality of his goals and also his temperament as well, because you can't really get, get that from watching youth games on, on the TV and... You see when he scores, he's obviously pleased, but he's not like a schoolboy whose dreams come has come true. He's like a guy who's been in the team for three years and has just scored another goal. You know, the, with Rashford, you saw Rashford sc- score his first few goals and he was celebrating wildly like it was the greatest event of his life and, and it would never be, the, never be the same again. And then two, two or three years down the line, Rashford now celebrates like a guy who scored, I don't know, whatever, 40 or 50 goals before that. And But Greenwood came in and just was like that immediately. And that kind of showed, I think, a maturity of certainly a game maturity and, and, and a personal maturity on the pitch. I don't know, nobody, don't know what it's like off the pitch, but yeah. And every goal he scored and just the, just the quality of those goals, each one. The two goals against Bournemouth were ridiculous. You know, the goal against Everton was beautifully steered in against Watford. Just so many brilliant goals. You know, the only kind of simple goal he scored this season was the was at Sheffield United. And essentially just the tap in from mm. the Rashford sort of curling curling cross. So his first goal and just looking at him thinking, you know what, I think he's as good as we think he is. And, and you know, we've got one here who's going to make a real impact on the first team. I think for goal of the season, I mean, it might be a bit of an obvious choice, but the Fernandez breakaway against Brian at the Amex mm. after lockdown was, from an aesthetic standpoint, probably the most pleasing. Like, the one most likely to make you do a really old man growl you know i mean i think it was just the fact that it had been a while since there was such a certainty and a deadliness about united pouring forward like that you know we've it's not like we haven't scored breakaway goals this season or indeed in years before but i think it was just the fluidity of that move you know it was the matic hook up the field the way Mason took, what, two touches before crossing it and the way that Bruno came across the ball and hit it across the keeper. And it was just such an exquisite goal for us to score. And you could sense the joy in the team for having found that goal and having, having created it. And it was it was a really, it was a nice thing to see. Mm. In terms of individual moment, I might go for McTominay against City just purely because that was such a grind of a game. And no, City were nowhere near their best that night. But United had been through such a tricky period over the first three months of the season, you know, leading up into that game. And, you know, we had the LAS game shortly after that, but that was the last time that, you know, fans were allowed at Old Trafford. And I think it's symbolic, perhaps, of of a real high point in the sense that that was our third time beating City this, well, this last season 
it was such a tense and nervy affair despite the fact that City weren't necessarily creating a lot of chances and it was just the release you know and it, it felt like a real sense of camaraderie we didn't know what was to come with whatever was going to happen in the world over the coming months but at that exact moment in time I don't think it felt better to be a United fan than when McTominay scored with that ridiculous shot after Edison spilled it out that was thoroughly enjoyable yeah. and you know, I'm. I can't say I'm not looking forward to some of these derbies next season. Obviously, you know, you expect uh, Guardiola and City to spend. Given they, I mean, we haven't even mentioned this on the podcast. They failed again in Europe, Rich, and it was really funny this time. Yeah, it was. It was quite funny, um, and it, it's just just the case of, of Pep out wizarding himself again, wasn't it? Just the mm. just the baffling lineup and and denied again. It's like he's playing foosball with himself. Yeah, it is exactly, and it, I suppose we have to take small mercies at the moment, don't we? And a bit of Chardon. Football's about Schadenfreude. Even if your team's crap, it's great to take pleasure in the downfall of others. And yeah, so that that was quite a quite a pleasant um, viewing experience. It was right. Uh, six players to go, Rich. It's the forwards. Our lovely forwards. Uh, I'm going to start you off with Tahith Chong. Okay, so again, I had to scour the, scour the internet for something appropriate. Um, but my choice, my choice is I'm not. <laughs> right. I'm not ready by Delta Goodrum. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. I, I, I read that. I think I went for Sting. If you love someone, set them free. Ah, Delta Goodrum used to be an actress. He rings a bell. I don't know. I'll find out after. Uh, it's a she, and she's Australian. Yes. Yes. I think she used to be in like Home and Away or Neighbours or something. Maybe maybe people yeah, will tell us. Absolutely. On I mean, she's Australian and she's an actress, so there's a very good chance yeah, she was she in at least one of those shows. Certainly traveled traveled through that path. But yeah, I think we kind of had that that triumvirate of um of, of talents in, in the attack in the, the under 23s we had greenwood we had gomez and we had chong i think it was very apparent when chong played in the europa league early in the season that possibly wasn't ready physically or mentally to be taking that step up from essentially reserve team football to playing in front of 76,000 people some players can just make that step like it's nothing like Greenwood has and some players need an intermediate step to, to kind of help them on the way and, and I almost feel like he perhaps should have gone on loan this season but he has gone on loan now he's gone to, to Germany I think that's as good a place as any to you know get starts and, and, and find himself as a player and, and build his confidence and we can we can see just how how good he is there's a guy there that we don't really know how good he can be and he needs that we need him to find to find out and the best way to do that is to send him to play somewhere else for a year Hmm, which we're doing we so fair that. enough who have you got for me I'll give you Dan James okay so I went for a niche as heck one uh, you know I'm into my metal yep. so I went for uh, German speed metal demons accept and their song fast as a shark <laughs> yeah mine was kind of paced based as well um grease lightning by john travolta <laughs> oh come on <laughs> sorry but you know what you could you, obviously you, oh you my could, you could expand but it's almost like a it's almost like praise but but also almost a criticism because you know we're a year in and and essentially we still kind of know mm. him for his speed but anyway he's your guy so you you take it uh, i mean when united bought him i think given the price and given the uh, profile of the player there was a reasonable assumption that he was going to be one to develop and one to have a bit less of a prominent role than he actually ended up doing you know let's take a quick look you know he ended up playing 46 games this season he was on he was in the squad 54 times dan james has played more football than i think ollie anticipated 
that has had something of a detrimental effect on him. You know, I think that we saw within the first couple of months of the season, you know, both for United and from a personal perspective, watching for Wales, that there was a sense of freedom that he was playing with in that early period that then slowly eked away as defenders were finding out how best to deal with him. And he is one of several players, as you mentioned with Brandon Williams, in the sense of just trying to be a little bit more alert of the the offside line or his passing ability that just needs a bit more coaching in terms of what to do in situations where defenders aren't giving you the space and the the options that you would prefer to take. And it is about adding a few more strings to your bow because ultimately the one thing that you would look at Dan James and say he certainly has been at this, you know, after a year of being at United is one dimensional yeah. and he has got pace to burn and that's fantastic. And he has shown on occasion that he's got a real finish to him as well. But he is very, very raw at the moment. And it's that, that raw element is something that you would say is probably more characteristic of someone in their late teens as opposed to in their early 20s. And that's not to say that you can't get better, but there is certainly going to be pressure on his development in the next year, regardless of what United do in the transfer market, whether or not they bring in a right winger, to see just what sort of level he can get to. Because again, he's one of a number of players where you're still not quite sure what his level is. Mm. And... I guess in a United squad, there is still an argument for me that you could afford to play him alongside Martial and Rashford and not necessarily get too much of a massive overall drop-off in terms of United's ability to score a goal. You're still going to get some element of danger because of how good Martial and Rashford are at dragging the back four across the pitch. And I'm not saying that he's, you know, on Dreamers level because he clearly isn't. But I'm just saying that in the right setup, I still think we can get something out of Dan James. And, you know, still one of the best moments of the season when he got that goal after everything he's been through with the death of his father at such a, you know, for him, a relatively young age with that goal against Chelsea, which was a, a really poignant thing for him. And I was really pleased to see it happen. Mm. But yeah, a, another player with a lot to prove and big old season for him coming up. Right for you, uh, Odin Agarlo. Yeah, I, I just went for happy by Pharrell Williams. <laughs> never has a, never has a player been as delighted to uh, be at United and uh, as unexpected and unexpectedly uh, become a United player um, before. And uh, after his initial impact, all he seems to have is another one. He's seemed to kind of lose his trust in him. But I suppose it's, it, it, it tells a story that, that the overriding sentiment of Igalo's time at United aside from a few useful goals in cups is is just the the the, the level of glee that he um had at actually joining the club and, and being there because whatever i think is he 30 at 30 and he you know he, he was playing in china he could never have imagined that he'd end up playing for the team that he supports but but he has and i i, I find it difficult to criticize him really because because it's a nice story yeah, he's living the dream. I mean, I went for Let's All Pray for This World by Uncle, which felt like, I mean, I've, I've got to admit, I did search for Uncle on Spotify and think, right, he's, he's a religious man, so this this fits perfectly. Yep, it's a good one as well. It is. Right, who have you got for me? Three left, the lads. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you Mason Greenwood because I've said my bit on him. Okay, I went for Fallout Boy, Irresistible. I, I went for, well, obviously it was, I had the, uh, the bright, bright Young Things, but I also just did um, Unbelievable by EMF. Um, just just because he's he's ace. One thing I would say was it just the fact that I wasn't listening when you were watching Mason play for the under eighteen slash under twenty ones, and he was doing bits. Was I just not listening to how 
to you talking about him or did you just not talk about him because you wanted to keep it a secret and be on high and mighty when he did really well in the first day? I wasn't, I wasn't sure he wasn't trying to be clever. I guess, it's, <laughs> I guess, I guess it's just a case of you don't want to, you don't, you just don't know, do you? You don't know whether that player can make the step up or whether they can make the step up quickly or whatever. So you can look at an under 18 player and you think, Jesus, he's incredibly good. You know, you, the, the, the example of Ravel Morrison, he was as good as, a player as I've seen coming through at United since the class of 92 I'd have said but he just did, doesn't have or didn't have the the, the temperament and the, the drive to to actually achieve what he wanted to and you can watch all the youth games you like but you don't really know what what kind of kid you're looking at and whether they've got the, the personality and the confidence and the the dedication to actually become a top player so you don't want to to talk about them too much but his last season as, a, as an under 18 was ridiculous in terms of the things he did and the productivity and he moved up to the under 23s and just carried on as he had at the under 18 so it was one of those ones where you don't you kind of don't want to jinx it too much you, you mention him and you say that he's a really good talent but you don't want to jinx it because you just don't know no i mean i can't remember being as excited about the United product than I have with him. I mean, I'm not saying that someone who's got incredible knowledge of the United Academy setup and the players that are coming through the ranks at the minute, but he's impressed me not only with his temperament, but it's his decision-making. Mm. And then it's his shot. I mean, in world football, can you say at the moment there is a player who has as much of a certainty in certain areas when he's pulling back his left or his right foot than Mason Greenwood? It's kind of hard, isn't it? Mm. Like, and I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to blow too much smoke up his ass because obviously he's, there's always room to grow, and he has bulked up during the the lockdown period, and has certainly come out the better for it. But the way that he exploits space and is able to get away such powerful shots—that second goal against Bournemouth, as you mentioned—is a fantastic example of that. There is barely any room, like the minuscule amount, to get any backlift on that shot. And he still is able to smash it across the keeper and across the defender. And it's up in the top corner. And it's not like he was given much of any space to work out the opportunity there at all. And that is one of the exciting things about him. In the sense that he is able to do so much so frequently with so little. And you would have thought, with the players that he has around him, and hopefully the space with maybe Sancho coming in as well, obviously that's something I don't really want to talk about because it's still an incredibly frustrating conversation. Mm. The sky's the limit for Mason, really, isn't it? You know, yeah. If he is able to stay focused, if he gets good quality players around him, then United have got one of the best prospects in world football on their books at the moment and that's incredibly exciting because mm. you know we've we've had great players over the course of the last decade and we've still got one excellent player who's been in our academy for a long time to talk about too this evening but in terms of ability in terms of scoring goals in terms of his innate talent that he has on offer it's scary in terms mm. of how good he could end up being. And you know, again, the Sevilla game's perhaps not the best example because it didn't go so well for him. And I think that's an example of you know, where he and the team were just not necessarily running on fumes, but looked like they needed a rest and to try and recharge. But the way that he took that chance, and he had no business scoring that goal and smashing it into the far post and then in. But he can do a lot of things scarily well. And it makes for... A really, I mean, it's going to help Solskjaer a lot in games where we're struggling to break teams down if he's got Mason to bring on to the team. 
or even if he's played most of the game because he's just got an ability like few players have to make something out of absolutely nothing. Right, uh, I'm going to give you our other fantastic Academy product, Mr. Marcus Rashford. Yeah, I just went for Starman by David Bowie. Nice. I went for Avenge Sevenfold, Hail to the King. <laughs> yeah, that as well. I think this has been the season that he's really blossomed into a footballer I could say you could say is has world-class games. His form's dropped off towards the end of the season. I mean, he was coming back from an injury. He's essentially played for a couple of months with a fractured spine. And he was the guy, really, who, who dragged us through, dragged us through those really difficult times sort of before and after Christmas, really really until Bruno arrived. He, he was, the, he was the, the guy who took the mantle and really took took responsibility for winning games for United and it kind of felt like an important stage in his career to actually go from from being this this young guy with with potential to being a leader of the team and a a guy who takes responsibility for 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 winning matches and making things happen and I think he's become a much more rounded player The, the the downside at the moment is that when when he's struggling which he definitely has been in the last few weeks he really really does struggle and so the challenge for him next season I think is to find a way to maintain his level for longer or, or, or more consistently. But he is a star. I think he's become, in in the kind of modern footballer terms, a, a star player. And also he's clearly demonstrated himself to be a star of a human being as well this summer. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the reason why I went for that song, because I would say that he's at least up there for player of the season, but I don't think there's any denying that he would certainly be United's man of the season, right? I mean, a remarkable human being who has done far more than he needed to in his local area and across the country to better the lives of others with no thought of any personal gain. You know, it's... It's great when you have a good footballer at your club. It's even better when you've got a good person at your football club. And Marcus has shown himself to be one of the very best at both, which is why it's just been such a joy to have him at United, especially in the last 12 months. Yeah, and it's been, it was quite depressing actually seeing this summer that, you know, we're on social media. We know, we know the dark side of social media and the depressing side of social media, but, you know, it, it really, it was really eye-opening to see to see people even criticising and complaining about a guy getting meals for hungry, poor kids. There can't be many causes that are, you'd have imagined would be universally popular as that. But, you you know, there, there's still enormous amount of criticism. You know, people talking about it's all PR and, and all this stuff. But ultimately, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit whether somebody came up, up with it? He's given his time and his money and, and, and everything during a, a time when the country is going through a very difficult moment to actually do something good. And and what other footballer has done that this summer? To that, you know, to any, any significant degree. And whatever the catalyst was, he's directly influenced government policy, which, you know, given that the, the start of the COVID crisis was highlighted by people decrying footballers for earning enormous amounts of money and expecting them to give it to give it to whatever services or whoever to to make their lives easier and and whatnot you know he's one of the very few that's actually gone and put his time and his money where his mouth is and to an incredibly effective degree so i think he's become Mm. he's become not only a a very very high level footballer but also a, a genuine notable 
social campaigner or crusader. Well, I think you can use the word hero. Yeah. You can use the word hero. Yeah, I mean, many, yeah. footballers get such a bad rap and many are said to be so detached from their communities and from the people that were once around them when they were growing up. And there's just no sense of that with Marcus. No. You know, and he should he is a role model. You know, he is an example to people young and old across the country in terms of what you can do with your level of influence and how you can make a change. I mean, goal of the season from him, that Chelsea goal, mm. wow. Can we just have that on repeat? Because I mean, yes, it was very Ronaldo esque. I almost think it might have been better. Oh. Yeah, it could be. I, I think you can always tell yeah. The thing that says says most about that goal was the was the bizarre noise that Gary Neville made, yeah, as as he went in. You know, that's that's the noise that we we're all making. Yeah, that was yeah. Pretty, a pretty a pretty fabulous goal. Right, and um, that leaves us with my nominated player of this. Yeah, my nominated player of the season, Anthony Martial. Rich, uh, hit me. I went for uh, for Freebird by Leonard Skinnerd, um, because nice. he's looked to me happier this season than we've ever seen him at United. More settled, mm. more content with his own with himself and his own abilities. And I think he you know, the biggest thing that happened to him was was getting free of Jose Mourinho. Um and I'm sure there are a few others mm. who, who feel the same way as him. But but you're you're seeing a guy now who has a manager who he kn- he knows truly believes in him, who has said to him, rather than taking away his number so somebody else can be there or signing a player to play in his position when he's in good form has actually said, I'm not going to do any of that. You're you're my guy. You're going to be my guy. You play there. You can do it. I'll help you if you need me to, but you you can do it. And I think I think Solskjaer's been repaid by the progress that he's made this season, the goals he's scored and, and the contribution he's made. Um, and I think he's becoming a really, really high-class centre-forward. Um, he's got so much, so much technical quality, but just the degree to which he's improved his game with his back to goal and you know playing as a target man he's kind of had to learn it but yeah i mean he's 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 just happy now i think and and that's that can only be a good thing and it's it's almost the same as you were saying about pogba and you know, the suggestions that he was wanted to leave and i'm sure he did want to leave but if you if if pogba does sign a new contract that says to you it wasn't just about leaving it was about being happy and i think you know marshall's another one who who now looks happy yeah, uh, song-wise, I went for Bon Jovi, Thank You For Loving Me, <laughs> <laughs> which I feel like perfectly encapsulates the dynamic. And I mean, you mentioned there that I, has a player benefited more from Mourinho being sacking over the last 18 months than Anthony Martial? No. I don't necessarily think they have. No. You know, I think the selling of Lukaku, I mean, that's been its own incredible discussion over the course of the last several weeks in particular. And the responsibility placed on Martial's shoulders I mean there was definitely I mean with the best will in the world I think that even the most ardent United fan would perhaps have said there's an element of risk in giving Martial that role not because we didn't think he could you know step up to that level but because there had just been so many flashes of brilliance in the time coming after his first season but not necessarily that consistency to show that he could get up to that level and stay there and the fact that he's ended this year with 23 goals is a testament to the fact that he's been under a coach that not only trusts him, but one that is serving him with quality players. And the way in which he provided prior to Fernandez's introduction into the side should be enough to shut most naysayers up. But the fact that he's been able to reach another level since and 
get back to scoring goals with such regularity. You know, getting United's first Premier League hat trick since 2013, for God's sake, against Sheffield United is on its own in isolation. That's not necessarily a very big achievement. Players score hat tricks quite a lot. United players do not. And the fact that Martial is blossoming as United's nominal number nine now, as that striker, as a player that can provide in any circumstance. You know, he can score three goals against the likes of Sheffield United, who are on a good side, but he can also get goals against Chelsea and City, against the bigger teams in the league. You know, he's not a flat-track bully. He can score from anywhere. He is capable of scoring goals like that wonderful strike against Bournemouth, you know, rasping into the top corner, taking it on his right foot and curling it past. And he can get dirty tap-ins as well, you know, as, you know... Evidence in the game against Chelsea right at the start of the season. You know, he's finding himself in better positions, he's taking more risks, and he's getting the rewards from it. And not only that, as we've said, he looks like he's enjoying his football just far more under this current regime. And that's showing in his play. Absolutely. I know a lot of people have criticised his, his work rate, and I think that's been a valid criticism. But it, it just kind of perhaps feels like he needed confidence to actually to drive him. And, and now he's got that. And now we're we're seeing a much more rounded, a rounded footballer, and um, long may it continue. Rich, mm. we're done. We are done. We are done, and for the season, and 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 it's been a very long season. It's been, it it's has, been a pleasure, yes. pleasure as always. I think we started talking about this season in July of 2019. It was it was just a very long time ago. Um, probably I've probably got far more grey hairs now than I had when I when the season started. I definitely do. But. Um, yeah, we got there in the end, didn't we? And I think for the first time in quite a long time, I, I, f- I feel like we've got something, I think like we've seen some forward momentum. We've got something to build on. And I mm. think the club need to do something now to maintain that. But I, I, I feel like it's possible that we could progress next season if we do the right things, which is, which is nice because we haven't said that a great deal. No, I mean, this is our fifth year of doing this. And you look at where we ended the second season under Van Hal. All right, great trophy under our belts. Mourinho coming in. We need to progress. You know, first season of Mourinho, two trophies. You're thinking United can really push on here. It didn't quite happen. And then, you know, we all know what happened shortly after that. You know, second place finish in the following season. And then following that, the combustion and then... Ollie's revival runs out and despite that lower points title, United finished the season in third. That still feels like a significant achievement. I wish it wasn't. <laughs> I wish, you know, we could be looking at a trophy in combined with that too, because that would really have made this season as challenging as it has been fully enjoyable and really worthwhile. But you're right in the sense that United have got something to build on and there's a little bit more hope than I think I've felt when we've been doing these podcasts for the last couple of years. Because you remember last year, I mean... God, I mean, that that was probably the most despondent we have ever been doing this exact format of this Mm. show because you just didn't know where anything was, what was going to happen, where anyone was going to go. Everything was so up in the air. And there's still an element of that now, just purely by virtue of who runs this club. There's arguments, there's bile, there's impatience. And I get it. I do 100% get it as to why United aren't trying to sort deals out quicker. But... In terms of what we've just seen this season, you know, we'll, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a season preview because, of course, Rich, the football is never actually going to stop now, no. forever. There is hope. There are green shoots. There's positivity. There's elements to this side and things that we've done in the last few months and across the season where you can point to and say, yeah, that is better. If we can build on that, make it really strong, we've got a real chance of doing some damage on the other teams in this league. 
And will it be enough to get us close to Liverpool and City? I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks if we can get ourselves a cup competition, stay in the top four, close that gap between Liverpool and City, you'd almost say that's a successful season. And then we keep building and see where we end up again in 12, 18 months' time. But I'm excited. You know, United are playing exciting football. They're playing better football. They are, not every week, granted, but we're scoring goals again. And we're having fun watching United again. And isn't that, you know, without wanting to sound like a bit of a soppy twat, isn't that kind of what it's all about? It is. And we've not had enough of that for the last, God knows how many years, seven years. A lot of it's been, you know, we've essentially had three managers who created very boring football teams. We've been boring. We've not. We've not scored enough. We've ground results out. We, you know, there's never been a flair there. And I, I, don't, I don't think Solskjaer will be the manager who wins us the league again. I think he will be, he could be a very, very useful and productive stepping stone to that next level. But we are at last watching the semblance of a United team that, that actually we want, to, we look forward to watching. Mm. And we can't take that for granted because we haven't had that for for years, really. You know, just from that perspective, it's it's just nice to, even if you don't know exactly what you're going to get out of it, it's just nice to, to, to look forward to United playing and there being the potential there for them to cut loose and, and produce something that would be really enjoyable. Right. Uh, anything else to say on the 2019-2020 season, Rich, before we call it on this fifth year of the show? I have nothing else to say, um, but uh, yeah, I just need to clear my mind now for a couple of weeks and then we can start moaning, we can, we can start moaning <laughs> about transfers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Right, let's call it, Rich. Be a pleasure, as always, Absolutely. all year long. Yeah, <laughs> again and again and again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Back in real time now after recording that a couple of weeks ago. Sorry for delaying getting this episode out to you, but that's the 2019-2020 season done. And it's about one week before we start the next one. <laughs> Look out for our preview on the new season next week. But until then, thanks from myself, Paul and Rich for your support and for listening this season and indeed any season. As always, we really appreciate it. Don't forget, as mentioned before, you can get 20% off and free shipping for all products and packages at manscaped.com using the code REDVOICES, or one word. Head over to manscaped.com and take a look at what they can offer, including a sleek waterproof shaver. Uh, that's it from us. But don't forget, you can find us all over Twitter, should you so wish. You can find the pod at Red Voices MUFC. You can find me at, at Ewan Lennox. Rich can be found at Rich Red Voices and Paul at Paul Gunning One. Our blog at redvoices.net and the podcast itself can be found across pretty much any podcast that we could hope to find. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Acast, all the good ones, really, in fairness. We'll be back with you next week. Take care of yourselves, guys. Much appreciated. Bye bye.